Welcome to the Buick Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Marion, and on this podcast, we dive deep into the outdoors. We discuss hunting and fishing techniques, give you tips and tricks, tell stories, and everything in between to help you enjoy the outdoors. This podcast is brought to you by Northbound Gear. Northbound Gear is designed for maneuverability and durability and is made to last through even the toughest of elements. My go-to for their pants is the Water Resistance Adventure Pants and their lined, waterproof jeans. I've worn them while out ice fishing, crawling through the woods, bear hunting, and on the west coast out on the boat. And I even wear them around when I'm having a lazy day at the house. They are that comfortable. They also offer jackets, summer pants, backpacks, and many more. Men's and women's sizes are available, and by partnering with One Tree Planted, you're planting a tree with every purchase. Check them out for yourself at northboundgear.co, and when you use my promo code SHELDON15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your order. That's northboundgear.co and promo code SHELDON15. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Buick Outdoors podcast. If you're new here, my name is Sheldon Marion, and if you're watching us on YouTube and you want to listen to it on the go, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Just search up the Buick Outdoors podcast and you'll find us pretty well everywhere. Also, if you're just listening to this and you want to watch the podcast, uh, if you head over to our YouTube channel, you'll see a podcast playlist and it has all of our podcasts on there. And then we also have a bunch of other videos on there, hunting, fishing, exploring, outdoor adventures. So uh, go ahead and check that out. But anyways, guys, we're going to get right into it here. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about cooking over a fire and kind of just cooking in general. Uh, I'm going to go over the basic fundamentals pretty well. Lighting a fire, keeping it going, uh, controlling the heat, seasoning, and then just uh, a real short cooking aspect of it. Uh, basically, for me, uh, you know, the tried and true fire starter method is just the basic lighter and matches uh from there you know you got all sorts of different things you can use newspaper birch bark uh you got lighter fluid kerosene uh there's stuff that comes in like aerosol cans which is i'm pretty sure what that is just like kerosene and aerosol uh you got cotton balls that are soaked in vaseline uh, i make those just at home take a ziploc bag put a couple tablespoons of vaseline in there grab a handful of cotton balls throw it in squish her all up till everything's kind of coated and then uh, when you go to use those it's really easy you can either use a lighter match or what i like to use is just like the flint and steel and you just pull a cotton ball out get a little bit of fluff on top hit it with a spark and away she goes uh and then with your fires, you know, you always want to start small and work your way up big. Uh, so around here, what we have a lot of is just kind of like your uh, your dead spruce branches with like the old man's beard or witch's hair on there. Uh, you can also start with dry grasses and birch bark. Get those going and then move up to your small dead twigs. And then from your small little twigs to branches... And eventually you work your way up to small rounds or split firewood. Uh, and basically, you know, uh, that's that's her for lighting a fire. Uh, get her going 
uh, real small and just slowly work your way up. If you smother it too soon, you'll just pretty well put the fire out and then uh, you just got to start over. But whatever, it's good practice. Uh, but when it comes to cooking over a fire, uh, once you get your fire going, uh, you want to have a couple of pretty good sized pieces on there. Uh, and then just kind of let her die down into coals because then big, big pieces of wood, uh, they'll give you some really good coals with a lot of heat in them, uh, depending on which firewood that you use. Uh, a lot of the firewood around here, uh, we mainly tend to stick to poplar, uh, pine, and then spruce. Uh, if you're cooking with poplar, uh, it doesn't give off much for heat. So cooking over the coals on poplar, uh, honestly, it doesn't really work that good. You'll have to have a continuous flame when it comes to poplar. Uh, when it comes to pine and spruce, they work the best. Uh, the only problem with that is if there's a little bit of flame, uh, you have to be kind of cautious on which ones that you use. If there's a lot of sap in the tree, uh, you'll end up getting like quite a bit of an acidic taste to it. But uh, as long as you kind of pick and choose and you find the stuff that's really dry, you shouldn't have too much problem with that. Uh, once you get your fire going, you have a couple nice big blocks in there. Let it die down into coals and then that way you can have like uh, a controllable fire. And then also once it's down to coals... If you do have to turn up the heat a little bit, make sure you have a, a few small pieces of firewood uh, right close by. And when I'm talking small, I'm talking like kindling pieces of wood. It doesn't take much to raise your temperature up. Uh, and basically keep a poking stick right close by too. That way you can kind of move the burnt wood around, the coals around. Or if you want to reposition some of your firewood. Uh, you know, if you're cooking more than one thing at once, you kind of want the heat on your main thing, like your meat, and you want a little bit of a cooler fire on your vegetables, so that way you don't burn it. Then what I like to do is, I kind of, you have kind of like your cooking coals right underneath your grill or whatever it is that you're using there, and then just slightly off to the side, I'll keep a, almost like a separate fire going. And then that way, as as your cooking coals start to cool off and die down, you can grab coals from your secondary fire and just kind of top it up kind of thing. So that way, if you don't want to keep, uh, you know, like the small little like controllable firewood right beside you kind of a thing, you can just grab more coals and add it as you go. Uh, also, if you're using uh, what I use like an A-frame setup, you can just raise and lower it kind of a thing to control your heat as well. Uh, unfortunately, those are uh, they're a little bit hard to come by and they are pretty expensive. You know, if you're using like an oven grate kind of a thing, you can buy those for a couple bucks or whatever or just find one for free. And those ones, you know, you generally just set them on some rocks or a couple of logs and there's no, uh, you know, there's no adjustments. So you have to control your fire or your uh, coals. And with that being said, uh, you know, controlling the heat is pretty well number one. Uh, when you're cooking over a fire, you have to remember that, you know, it's basically like a poor man's barbecue. Uh, if you need more heat, 
turn up a little bit, you know, add coals or add a, a tiny little bit amount of wood to it, whether it's a small little piece of kindling or a handful of branches kind of a thing, uh, you'll raise the heat, you know, a lot with just a little bit. Also, if it does get too hot, if you have your poking stick right handy, you can push this stuff to the side, you can spread it all out. You know, it is actually very easy to control the heat once you kind of mess around a little bit and uh, really just test it out. Uh, one thing I do is I just hold my hand over the fire. You can spread it out, put your hand back up there, and you can feel the difference in the heat, you know, right away. It, it doesn't take long at all whatsoever. And uh, one more method that you can use is like caveman style kind of a thing. Where you don't have a cooking surface whatsoever. You don't have an A-frame. You don't have a grill top or anything like that. And you basically just cook directly on the coals. Uh, I know some people uh, enjoy that. I, I've i tried it a couple of times. And it's not too, too bad. But, uh, you know, it's not as controllable as all the other ways of doing it. And when you're putting it directly on the coals... Again, depending on what kind of wood that you're using, you could just completely burn the outside of it and the inside would be like blue rare kind of a thing if you're cooking a steak. But if you're using a much softer wood, say like poplar, you actually might be able to get away with it slightly. The only problem with poplar is when you're burning poplar, it does give off a lot of ash. So it's probably not the best one to use. Uh, if you're going to do the caveman style, I would honestly just suggest buying a, a bag of like hardwood uh, charcoal briquettes from, you know, whatever store. And uh, basically once you get your fire going, dump out a handful of those uh, charcoal briquettes and just cooking on that. Uh, that stuff, it's made with very specific wood. That's actual hardwood. And uh, for us in the north, we, we're typically not going to find those types of wood. Uh you know, we have a lot of softwood up here. We do have some hardwood being alder and birch mainly. Uh, but this problem with that is in order to cook with those, you basically have to, uh, you have to cut those down, split them, and then season them. But if you just buy a bag of charcoal, it's, uh, it's ready to go right out of the bag. Uh, and then when it comes to the actual seasoning of your food, you know, uh, Depending on what you're cooking, uh, a little bit will go a long ways. Uh, but, you know, also, like, when you're cooking, if it smells good, it's most likely going to taste good. The only thing that you can't taste is salt and, for the most part, spicy. Uh, so, you know, like, when it comes to adding salt and pepper, just make it light. You know, when you're when it's all said and done... You can always add more salt. You can always add more pepper when it's done. But while you're cooking, it's pretty hard to take that stuff back. Uh, if you're making like a soup or something, you can add more broth or water. But then it's all watered down and stuff and it's not going to be as enjoyable if you have too much salt. So when it comes to salt, use it very sparingly. Like I said, you can always add more uh, at the end. When it comes to seasonings, you can make your own. I've made my own mixtures several times, and for the most part, they always uh, they turn out pretty good. But 
you know, this day and age, there's so many different seasonings that you can buy that are already pre-made. You know, like Mrs. Dash, uh, Clubhouse, Le Grill. They're all amazing stuff. Uh, recently, there on our last camping trip there, I brought out, uh, it was Mrs. Dash, Garlic and Herb. And I use that on everything. It was it was awesome. It was great stuff. Uh, Clubhouse makes a, a ton of really good ones too. Uh, one that I use quite a bit is the roasted garlic and red pepper. I think is what it's called. And then also guys like Le Grill. They make Montreal steak spice, uh, chicken and rib, vegetable medley or something like that. You know, they're all just... For the most part, they're all really good. And, uh, you know, when it comes to that stuff too, just because it says chicken and rib doesn't mean you can't put it on, you know, broccoli or try it on corn kind of thing. You know, you can mix it up a little bit, especially with something like, whatever, chicken and rib. It might taste great on sweet corn. You never know until you kind of mix it up and that's, one of the nice things with cooking is that you can experiment a lot. Uh, one thing too, you don't have to commit 100% to it. You can always grab a spoonful of your cooked corn, grab your spices off the counter, give it a little dash and taste it and see. If it doesn't taste good, well then don't mix that whole thing up, right? You can always uh, you can always try new things and stuff and, you know, I've used Montreal steak spice on vegetables before and it was okay. I probably won't do it again kind of a thing just because of some of the strong flavors that are in it. But some things like the vegetable medley, that's great on a ton of stuff, especially chicken. Uh, you know, there's a wide variety of use with that stuff. Uh, you know, lemon and herb spice, I use that a ton on fish. I also use it on, like, sweet potatoes. There's something to do with the the kind of the lemony tang with the sweetness of a sweet potato it just mixes up extremely well so when it comes to cooking you know mix things up a little bit try different things uh and yeah don't be afraid to to go out and buy these pre-made seasonings you know it's not exactly cheating by any means you're still the one doing all the cooking and stuff but, uh, yeah, and they, they taste great, and they're they're fairly cheap for what you get. Now, when you're starting off uh, seasoning pretty well anything, you, know, you want to start off light. Don't, uh, you know, you're not making a dry rub for the most part. Uh, you know, if you're seasoning up a steak, you know, give it a little sprinkle. Uh, you know, at the when you're done cooking and stuff, if it doesn't have enough, you can always grab it off the shelf and just throw on some more kind of a thing you know uh you also have to take into consideration on how thick your meat is that you're cooking if you're doing just a little thin slice of minute steak it doesn't need to be drenched you know a, a tiny little bit will do the trick uh but when you're using the same seasoning on like a one inch steak you know you're only seasoning that real top layer kind of a thing but you have a lot more meat to deal with too. Uh, so the amount of spice that you need for a real thin minute steak is going to be a lot less than a great big huge thick steak. Uh, also, if you are making up like your own seasoning mixtures, 
you have to be very cautious when it comes to the salt. If you're using garlic powder, make sure you're using garlic powder, not garlic salt. Same thing with onion powder. If you want to use onion powder, it tastes great. It works awesome in a lot of stuff. But make sure it's onion powder, not onion salt. Because if you're using those two and you're adding salt and pepper, uh, you'll oversalt it almost every single time. And, uh, you know, I've had <laughs> a few meals cooked for me where they used garlic salt and onion salt and regular salt. And, man, you, uh, it, you can't eat it. It's just way too salty. And uh, it's a good way to screw up a lot of good food kind of a thing. So just be mindful when you are doing your seasonings with that. So for me, uh, one of the best ways to kind of cut your teeth on this when it comes to cooking outside is something that it kind of sounds big and scary, but it's actually really, really simple to make. And that's just uh, steak, potatoes, and corn over the fire. And I say that because mainly because it's easy to make, and I just did it just a couple of days ago. Uh, me, Shelby, and Blaine went out on a camping trip, uh, just out in the bush under the stars kind of a thing. And the meal I made for them, like they, man, you couldn't have had a better meal out there. And uh, to cook that up, it is so simple, but the outcome of it is just amazing. And basically, you know, you you get your fire going. Uh, this trip, I used a little cotton ball trick. Got the fire going. Put on all my spruce branches. Let that build up. Put on all my big branches. And then a little bit of split firewood that we uh, cut up. And once we have a nice big bed of coals happening, I spread it all out nice. So we have a spot for our potatoes to go. So you take your potatoes... You slice her down the middle, you open her up, and you take salt and pepper. Uh, again, a little bit goes a long ways. If you don't have enough when you're done, add more kind of a thing. But put a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper on there. Uh, some of that Mrs. Dash garlic and herb spice. And then cut off pretty well three little slivers of butter. Put into the middle of your potato. Sandwich it together. Roll up in tin foil. And then off to the side of your kind of your main fire. I had that, a little bed of coals just sitting there. And you take your potatoes and set them directly on there. And uh, basically, I let them sit there for about half an hour. And what I do is I just turn them about every 10 minutes or so. Uh, you can roll them if you like, but when you roll them... A lot of times, you know, the seams and stuff on tinfoil, it's not all that good. And all your butter and flavor and seasoning and stuff, it just kind of runs out the top. And then it kind of burns on the outside, and that slowly trickles its way in. And then you pretty well have a burnt-flavored potato. So that's why I, I don't roll it. I just turn them, kind of a thing. Then after the potatoes were cooking for about 30 minutes, I... Uh, I basically pull out my steaks and uh, one thing that you want to do is you want to make sure that you have thawed steaks. Uh, if the center is still frozen, what ends up happening as you're cooking the outside, you're thawing the inside and then the inside never has a chance to actually cook. Basically it just melts the ice crystals 
keeps everything cold and it keeps it uh it keeps it kind of wet but not in a good way kind of a thing uh you end up getting like a lot of water inside instead of like the juicy meat moisture kind of a thing if that makes any sense to you uh but anyways pull out your thought out steaks season both sides uh again i use that mrs dash just because it was there nice and handy and it was so i can only had to bring out one little thing of seasoning and then you top it with salt and pepper on both sides so once you have your steaks all seasoned up what i do uh for me is i was using my a-frame so i can cheat a little bit i can raise and lower the cooking grate uh if not uh basically you just control the fire uh you know adding more pulling more off or whatever but uh, basically, if you can take your hand and put it above your cooking grate, and if you can hold it there for about five seconds before you have to pull your hand away, then it's the perfect temperature. And that's for cooking over a fire or cooking at home on a barbecue as well. Uh, over the fire, it's really nice. Or on like a charcoal barbecue. Because by the time you cook one side and you flip it, uh, by the time that other side is uh, all seared and charred up, Real nice, the fire's naturally starting to die down already. And then what you're able to do is you can just uh, put the lid on it and finish it, kind of a thing. But in this case, we're cooking outside, so we don't really have that option. But uh, it will give you a great little searing on both sides. And then uh, once it starts to die down, like as you're cooking, I'm constantly putting my hand above the grate just to keep, make sure I'm keeping that temperature. And again, if, if you can't hold your hand there for five seconds, it's too hot, you know, use your poking stick, push some coals to the side or whatever. Or if you can sit there and hold your hand there all day, it's way too cold. So you just add a little bit of wood onto your fire. And like like I said, a little bit will go a long ways. You know, a handful, not even a handful, three or four little sticks or twigs will uh, generally do the job. So before you put your steaks on the grill, what I want to do is I take my corn and I get that all ready. I pull all the husk off and then take out everything on the inside, get it all cleaned up nice. And then uh, basically when it comes to cooking corn over the fire, I don't really do anything to it whatsoever. Uh, I just place it directly on the grill. And uh, typically I put it on at the same time I put the steaks on. Uh, and then that way when you put your steaks on, you get a nice sear. And then with the corn, when you put it on, it starts to brown the corn too. Uh, and when you're browning the corn, uh, there's a fancy term called the Mallard reaction. And basically what that means is the heat reacts with the amino acids and the natural sugars that are within your meat and your vegetables. And what that ends up doing is it caramelizes all of the natural sugars and the fats that are in it. And then that way you get that caramelization, that real nice thin brown layer and it makes it look better smell better and taste absolutely amazing so when you're you're cooking over the fire or when you're cooking over on a bar on a barbecue you really want that brown meat that charred look and smell to it you know it's not some fancy chef thing like there is an actual reason why you want to brown your meat and in this case why you want to brown your uh your corn as well uh, the only thing when it comes to cooking stuff like vegetables at the same time with steaks on something like a cooking platform 
is you really have to be cautious on how your fire is. A lot of times I'll kind of build up a big layer of coals. So where the top of the coals is, is where I'll be cooking the steaks. And then right where there's kind of a dip, it's slightly colder. So that's where I'll grill the vegetables kind of a deal. And then that way you're not burning your corn and undercooking your steak. It is controllable. And again, that's just using your poking stick, moving coals around, adding wood where you need it, pulling wood off or coals off where you don't need it. And then that way, again, it's just all about controlling the temperature of your fire and controlling the temperature of your uh, coals. And when it comes time to uh, flip your steaks and turn your corn, uh, basically, so your potatoes, every 10 minutes or so, I'm turning it about 180 degrees, especially with that fire still going in front. There is a little bit of radiant heat that's hitting your the edge of your potatoes. So if you just leave it in one spot, all the coals, the heat from the coals underneath are cooking it evenly. But with that radiant heat coming from your fire, you're going to have one side that could be potentially burnt. And the other side, you know, it'll be cooked, but it's not going to be evenly cooked. So that's why every 10 minutes or so, you want to grab the potatoes and rotate them. Uh, with the corn, basically you just go by, by looking at it. Uh, grab it and just rotate it slightly every so often, every couple minutes kind of a thing. Uh, you know, that way you get kind of a browning all the way around. And if you miss a couple of spots, it's no big deal. Like... It is nice to have that caramelization on the corn, but it is a little tricky to get it just right. So if you don't get that on corn, like to, don't sweat it. Uh, for the steaks, though, uh, it's really hard to say for time-wise just because I'm not there controlling the heat. But a good kind of a good thing to kind of keep into consideration is just Grab the corner, pick it up, and look underneath. If it's nice and browned and you have that little bit of fat starting to kind of bubble up and drip out and stuff, give her a flip. You know, and it really, if you flip it a little too early, whatever. Cook the other side for a little bit longer and then flip it again. You're not looking for grill marks. You're not, you know, it's not going to win some beauty pageant kind of a thing. You're, you're cooking food over a fire. And you're going to cook it the way that you like it. Uh, if you stay that steady, you know, five seconds over to the uh, over your cooking grate before you pull your hand away, is generally speaking about three to four minutes per side kind of a thing. And, you know, once your one side is nice and charred and caramelized and looks good, flip it over. And then the other side, again, let it cook and caramelize and brown up. And once you start to see that little trickle of, of blood starting to come up through the cook side, you basically have a medium rare steak. So if you're starting to see that little bit of red starting to come through and you don't like medium rare, flip her one more time, go for another two minutes, flip it again, another two minutes, and then that way it cooks nice and even, and you'll probably end up coming out with a medium steak. So again, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take much to kind of figure this stuff out and uh it is for the most part fairly simple especially once you learn little tips and tricks like 
when the blood starts to rise up through the top, you got a medium rare steak for the most part. Uh, depends on how you're controlling your fire too. When you first start it, and if it was nice and hot, you put your steaks on there, you got a nice sear. By the time you flip it, and your fire has died down, and now instead of being able to hold your hand there for 5 seconds, you can hold it there for 10 seconds, you know, the fire is definitely colder, like much colder than the first time. So you're going to have to stoke it up, or finish it like that, and just kind of have like a slow roast. Uh, if you're wanting to do a slow roast, one thing you can do, is once as you brown both sides, take tin foil and cover up the top. That way the heat will go up, it'll hit that tin foil and reflect back down, and it creates a small dome of heat there. So you kind of have an oven effect, but it's not, you know, it's not a hundred percent, but it does keep some heat from dissipating out. Now, once as you figure that your steaks and your corn and your potatoes are all done and all that stuff, what you want to do is you want to take your steaks off first. And when you take your steaks off, take just a small little sliver of butter and put it on the top of your steak and just let it melt. Let the steak rest. And again, people tell you to, like the head chefs and stuff, they'll tell you to let your steak rest. And it's not just because they're chefs and it's something that you say on a script. Uh, when you're cooking, all of the water molecules inside the meat, they're all going, you know, whatever, a mile a minute, they're going nuts. Once as you let your meat rest, the meat relaxes, the water molecules slow down, and it starts to settle out within the meat. Then that way, when you cut it, your steak open, the for the most part, the juices will stay actually inside the meat, where if you take a steak off the grill, cut it open right away, all that comes flashing out and just floods your plate. It looks kind of cool or whatever, but then when you're eating the steak, it ends up almost being like a dry steak. So if you take that piece of butter, throw it on top, let it melt, get your potato off, get your corn off, you know, put on whatever it is that you have for your potatoes. For us, it was grated cheese, some sour cream, and bacon that I cooked up over the fire as well. And then once that is all said and done, everybody's plated up, everybody's sitting down, you're ready to go. Your meat's been resting for roughly five minutes. Then when you cut into it, uh, there's going to be a lot more moisture actually in the steak itself. Oh, look how oh, juicy that is. Perfect. Oh. <laughs> For the corn, uh, when you're cooking it this way, you honestly don't need butter. You could put a little bit of salt on it just for a little extra flavor. Uh, but when you're cooking it over fire like this and you have that really nice caramelization and browning on it, it automatically, it makes it much sweeter. And, uh, you know, butter almost kind of ruins it. Uh, when you're, if you boil corn, I honestly think you need butter for sure. Because when you, when you boil corn, you're pretty well tincturing all the sweetness and all the nutrients out of the corn when you boil it. And it just, it doesn't taste good. I do not like corn on the cob that's boiled because it, to me, it just, you have a byproduct of a tincture basically. And it's, it's no good to me. I don't, uh, I don't really enjoy it. But when you're cooking it over the fire, for the most part, all the moisture and juices stay inside that corn. You get that nice browning, the sweetness from the browning from that. And you can just 
bite into her and down the hatch she goes and uh you honestly don't really need butter but if you want to put it on there by all means you know you're the one eating it not me kind of a thing you know so uh yeah and then uh if you bring any other spices with you you know like uh, a vegetable medley type thing don't be afraid to sprinkle a little bit of that on there and give her a go but for the most part i think everybody's eating corn on the cob a little bit of butter salt and pepper and uh man it, it's good especially cooked over the fire uh with your potatoes when you're cooking over the fire you know it's it is fairly hard to bring everything that you want. You know, a lot of people, they want sour cream, bacon bits, chives, and yada yada. And you can bring it with you, but uh, it starts to complicate things a little bit. But for us, we brought a little thing of grated cheese and sour cream. And basically, I just opened up the potato, took the grated cheese, threw it in there, put sour cream on top, and then I just left it alone until it's about halfway done eating my steak and then I tied into the potato and by then the heat of the potato melted all the cheese and man it was good <laughs> yeah it it tastes uh, just it tastes amazing when you do that uh for a little bonus thing for you uh if you want a little bit more flavor out of your cooking when you're uh cooking over the fire or using a charcoal uh grill you can add uh like just your natural hardwoods that are around for us it's the alder and birch uh when you're doing that it has to be green and the bark has to be peeled off if it's not green well it's just firewood it's just gonna burn up it's not gonna smoke at all and also if you leave the bark on uh the bark is what holds all your natural oils so if your bark is on there the bark will burn but the actual tree itself it won't but it'll give off like a black smoke and then that black smoke comes into contact with your food and then when you bite into your food you're going to taste that black smoke and it's a very acidic flavor and it's it's not that good it's, it's not going to make your food very enjoyable but as long as you cut off I, well depending on your size of your fire but f for us you know it's you have like a 12 inch cooking space kind of a thing so you just cut your alder or your birch in 12 inch lengths peel the bark off and you know one little stick of alder will mainly do the trick and you just put that into your uh into your coals and it'll slowly start to smolder and that smoke will rise up and it's just like using you know apple wood chips or maple chips you know it's a real hardwood and it gives off an amazing little flavor and it's just a, a nice little touch uh, if you kind of want to try something slightly new if you want to see how i made up this uh this meal uh we did just get back from our camping trip and uh, i filmed it all so if you go over to our youtube channel you'll see it on uh, i believe it's outdoor adventures playlist and it's, it'll be the first one on the top of the list there uh well when this podcast comes out if you listen to this on a later date uh it might be a little bit further down the list but uh yeah you'll see the little thumbnail of us just laying on the ground the a-frame and the the meals in the actual thumbnail there as well you'll see a couple of big steaks and some corn on a little cooking platform there and uh yeah it was it was a great meal that we cooked up in the woods there 
But anyways, guys, uh, I hope this short little podcast here helps you out. If you have any questions about uh, cooking over a fire or on a barbecue or just cooking in general kind of thing, you know, I am by no means a chef whatsoever, but I have been able to throw together a couple of pretty good meals in the in my day here. So, uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions or comments, just leave me a comment down below and I'll make sure to respond to all of them. Also, uh, you know, if you enjoyed this podcast, give us a like, give us a review and a rating, uh, leave us a comment, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and, uh, hey guys, catch you on the next one. Dude, I don't think that's going to work. All you're going to hear is you purring. Come on, buddy. No, no, I'll pet you later. I know, friend. I know. We can try. Okay. Just promise to be good. You can stay here with me, okay?